what are the sprinkles on top? What are the sexy things that will get them to pay attention? Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Lately, I've shared a lot of behind the scenes. I've talked about a flopped promotion and took you on a journey through a massive pivot. What you saw, though, and what I talked primarily about was specifically the marketing and messaging pivot that has happened externally. What I haven't shared until now was the changes to my actual offer behind the scenes. Now, this was not a small decision because I undid three and a half years worth of work to make my business more sellable and instead focused on what was going to give my clients better results. Now, before I dive in, I want to make sure that you saw everything that happened during the pivot. And to give you the behind the scenes, I definitely want you to see the messaging changes that I make and specifically the training that I put out into the world. So if you have not yet watched my untitled workshop, then you definitely need to go right now to bossproject.com slash untitled and pay attention because what I'm talking about absolutely applies to everyone running a business online today. And I'm talking about the entire ecosystem that makes up our online sales environment and how you can be successful and all of the various models that play into this, as well as how you specifically generate enough passive income to make a guaranteed set of income for the rest of your life. Now, with that being said, if you're interested in all of the details, all of the dirt, the entire behind the scenes, the full launch debrief, every post, every email, all the conversions, everything that went into this campaign, then you should absolutely join the co-op. I'm giving you that entire launch debrief as part of your specific access when you join the co-op. You get this. And so... I encourage you, if you go to bossproject.com slash untitled, you'll be taken to a page after you sign up that's going to give you all of the details on how you can join the co-op specifically. And once you're inside, we'll let you know how you can get access to that full debrief. If you want more behind the scenes and everything that is happening in real time, then I definitely encourage you to follow me on Instagram. I'm sharing up to the minute things that are happening and letting you in on what it's like day to day. So you can follow me by heading over to Boss Project on Instagram and you'll see my individual profile at Abigail Says listed in the bio 
from there, you can follow me at Abigail Says. And feel free to send me a DM anytime. I love getting to know the listeners of the Strategy Hour. So in order to give you the full behind the scenes, I need to back up quite a few years, actually. In 2016, all the way through 2019, I desperately wanted a product shop. I looked around and saw all of these product-based businesses and was so envious of the way they got to show up online and specifically the way they got to curate what was in their shop, whether they created their own products or they went to market and they put products in their shop. Either way, I was fascinated. And it was the furthest removed from the kind of business that I was currently running. I had up until that point focused almost exclusively on services and then more on the education side of things by offering various memberships as well as courses. And while that fascination definitely hasn't gone away, I definitely became more and more aware of all of the unique challenges that come with running a product shop, specifically the capital needed to invest in inventory, the logistics necessary to ship these things, and then just how expensive a product shop is to run. So it got me thinking about a digital shop of sorts, where I could still have a similar experience and I could still curate an environment, but I could remove a lot of the overhead required when it comes to running a shop and not necessarily have stock or inventory. Now, by no means was I first to the market. There were plenty of other digital product shops and template shops that were out there. There were ones specific to graphic designers like Creative Market. There were template shops for photographers like Gallery. There were template shops for stock images and shops designed specifically for social media managers. But I saw a hole in the market. There was nothing specific, in my opinion, to business owners, tools that would allow business owners to present themselves more professionally if design wasn't their background or save them the time if it happened to be. And I wanted to provide tools that would speed up the sales process and enhance the client experience so that they could focus on what they do best. So in January of 2020, just three months before the entire world turned upside down, we launched creativetemplateshop.com. Now, one of the unique ways that we focused on delivering this product was presenting it almost like it were either an e-commerce-based product shop or a SaaS. And we kind of combined both approaches to take a unique spin on selling in this environment. And I wanted to have everything up front. I wanted all of the listings to be available so people really understood the depth of what we were providing. But I didn't necessarily want to only sell these things one off. I really wanted the idea of that reoccurring revenue to come in. And that was only possible if there was some sort of membership component that would allow us to charge in that way. So that's what we did. We presented everything as a one-off option that you could buy individually or 
you could opt into the membership and pay a monthly or annual fee and get access to absolutely everything that we posted on creativetemplateshop.com. Now, this worked incredibly well, and it really allowed me to very intentionally remove it from Boss Project. So much so that I think if many people had landed on creativetemplateshop.com, they didn't necessarily know that Boss Project owned it. They didn't necessarily know that my name or image was associated with it. It was very focused on the product itself. It was incredibly focused on solving the client's problems and not necessarily about creating a personal connection prior to the sale. We were focused on delivering templates that people were searching for, literally optimizing for search engines and specifically aligning tools with the people that needed them. Now, to make the creative template shop and the co-op membership viable, we really had to lock in the process. And that's definitely what we focused on early on. We got that process down. We knew exactly what it looked like to on repeat showcase all of the new things that we were offering and release new templates on a very set schedule. We had clear things that we were delivering. We knew what it looked like. We knew what schedule and what pace we needed to stay on so that we always had something in the works or something we had just released. And we knew what it looked like to maintain that product from a product development standpoint. We used the existing audience that we already had to take warm traffic and present the creative template shop to them. And we very early on started investing in paid advertising that would allow us to present the creative template shop to cold leads, to people who had never heard of Boss Project, and to people who were specifically looking for this type of solution in their business. And it worked. Rather than focusing on it being a membership, we would present products like there were individual things that someone could purchase, which they were and they could. But when we would send them to the page, it was super clear very quickly that it was going to be so much more worth it to join the membership. So much so that 99% of the people that bought were purchasing the membership. Very, very, very few people were buying the one-off templates. And that was okay with me. I didn't care if we only got a handful of sales for the one-off templates. That was never the goal. I wanted repeat customers. And I wanted people who were able to utilize the tools that we were developing on a consistent basis to continue to enhance their revenue, to continue to improve their sales process, to continue to create a better client experience for their clients. Now, when you know exactly what you're selling and you have a very clear process to continue to enhance what you're selling, then all of a sudden it becomes a numbers game. You specifically focus on a handful of metrics to scale an offer of this type. And you focus on things like acquisition cost and churn. Now, acquisition cost is the number of dollars that it takes to acquire a new, in this case, customer, but we always call them clients, to acquire a new client. 
how many dollars does it take and how much is that in comparison to the lifetime value that that potential client or customer brings in? Now, you don't necessarily know this month one, month two, month three. It can take six to 12 months or more to really have a clear understanding of what your lifetime value is, what your average churn is, and what your reasonable acquisition cost will be on a more consistent basis. Now, the information very early on is very different than what it looks like now, but I will tell you some of that initial data. So we got our acquisition costs down to about $60. That would mean that at a price point of $47 a month or $4.97 a year, it would take two months to break even on that new purchase. But it was worth it because the lifetime value of that client at the time was around $350. So while there was no guarantee of revenue, because this is a product that you can buy and cancel at any time, it was a reasonable investment to assume that for the majority, we would make back not only the cost, but significant returns on that investment. That's a 5.8x return on capital, which is incredible. The problem was that it was taking two months to break even and to earn the $350, it was taking eight months of membership for us to get that lifetime value. Now, all of that would be great if those were the only variables you had to consider. But the thing that you battle when you're scaling a product of this type is something called churn. And churn is the amount of paid subscribers that are leaving on a regular basis. Now, any SaaS-based company or subscription-based product faces churn. It is something that every CEO is thinking about. I promise you. And getting your churn down is the fastest way to improve the lifetime value of your customer because it doesn't acquire any new leads. It simply requires you to keep them happy, to keep them staying longer. So to make more money, you either have to drive down acquisition cost or reduce churn to increase the number of dollars that you're keeping in the lifetime value. Now, if you can increase that lifetime value by reducing churn, that is where the real money can be made. Now, the thing that I think a lot of people don't consider when they're offering a product one-to-many in this manner is that if you cannot grow faster than churn, you'll start shrinking once you've moved through your warm market. Now, early on, before we had a full handle on what this looked like, our churn was on average about 15%. Now, that can seem high, but I promise you this is a pretty standard number. There's a lot of people that will come in and they'll take advantage of the situation. They'll see the intense value they can get by joining for a single month and they will get as much out of it as they can, and then cancel right away. Now, while this is true, 
as long as you're keeping tabs on the long-term value, it's just part of the game. It's going to happen. So we, on average, we're seeing the biggest churn in month one and month three. But if we could get someone to stay four or more months, they were staying for significant periods of time. Now, at this point in the business, we have many people who have stayed for multiple years. And when a product has only been around for three and a half, that means they just simply haven't left. They're not like canceling and coming back. They're just becoming a lifer right away. But let me give you an equation here. So imagine you have 100 active subscribers. They're paying for their membership. If your churn is 15%, then 15 of those 100 are going to cancel. So unless you can sell more than those 15 spots, your membership numbers are going to stay the same. So if you lose 15 members and gain 15 members, then the net difference is zero and your membership will stay at 100. But if you are losing 15 members, but you can only gain 10, then your membership is shrinking. Now, for us, 100 was definitely not the barrier. We got way higher. And I'm not going to reveal all of those numbers to you because they're not important. But what is important is there is a ceiling to which if you do not have enough capital, you cannot grow past your churn rate. And where that ceiling lies depends on so many different factors. It depends on the acquisition costs. It depends on your cash flow. It depends on the margin you've been able to create to sustain or retain that customer. There's so many things that go into this. But eventually, you will hit a ceiling in which unless you can get more cash flow into the business, reduce churn, or reduce the acquisition cost, you are only going to either maintain where you're at or you will start shrinking. Now, if you have enough capital, this can be a money-making machine because as long as you know the variables, you know what you're facing. And this is why you see a lot of, you know, the debates on Shark Tank where they're like, yeah, all that sounds great, but the amount I would have to put in to make this worth it is just too much. When they're talking about that, it's generally because they may know all the data, they may know all the numbers, but they know that this business eats dollar bills like it's going out of style. <laughs> and a lot of subscription-based companies face this problem. That's why you see people reassessing what their subscription's going to cost. Or they try different tactics to get people in to reduce the acquisition cost. Or they do things to try to bring you back. Like, think of all the subscriptions that you have in your life, not just your business, in your life. Things like Netflix, things like HelloFresh. What are all of the strategies that you've seen for them to either bring you in, keep you, or get you to come back? At scale, it is very little, very little to do with your actual clients. It has way more to do with balancing all of those numbers and making all of those things make sense. And while that is fun and definitely can feel like a game, it's also really freaking exhausting. 
And we, while we had so much of this figured out, we faced a lot of unforeseen challenges when there were massive privacy law changes and iOS rolled out the option for people to block what they were sharing with some of these ad platforms, which is great for personal privacy, not so great for small businesses that are taking advantage of these ad networks. And out of necessity, we wanted to change the focus because we wanted to turn off ads and we wanted to just kind of see how the storms were going to pass and get more clarity on what was going to happen in the market with how to handle ads. Because at this scale, we could not organically grow past churn without paid advertising. We simply just didn't have enough free organic traffic. And, you know, great problem to have, but also a frustrating problem to have because then you feel tied to these outside services that you have very little control over. So to give you some insight in what that looked like is we were rapidly growing the membership all through 2020 and through the majority of 2021. So much so that in 2021, the product mix was 50% in the membership. Courses made up an additional 22%. We launched our group program in October of that year. So between October and December, we brought in 15% of our annual revenue in just a few months. And then we had an additional 13% from sponsorship and affiliate income. At this point in the game, we had made the membership the highest percentage of revenue in the business. But because of the cost of acquisition, it was the lowest margin or profit for the amount of revenue that we were generating. So scalable, but a cash-eating machine. At that point, the group program was showing so much promise. It was getting really immediate results for people, and we were really excited to lean into that. And so because of that, we put far less emphasis internally into the membership. We were still delivering the same deliverables on the same schedule, but we had systemized all of that. We had a way to do it not on autopilot, it definitely still took significant portions of our team's time. However, we weren't necessarily focused on membership growth. It was more about how can we maintain where we're at and fight some of the churn that we were facing. In 2022, we had our biggest year ever in terms of top line revenue. And the membership went from being 50% of our revenue to just 24%. Not necessarily because there was a massive shrink there, but because other things were so outperforming what the membership was doing. Specifically, that group program, it jumped to 48% of our revenue in a single year. And courses went all the way down to 2%, which sounds wild, 
But it's mostly because we shut them down. (laughs) We just simply didn't have them available. We weren't pushing them even from an organic perspective. And all of the ads were completely off. So this is just a distinct representation of what you put your focus on flourishes. Now, our services in 2022 brought in 21%. And they were literally non-existent the year before. So we were doing more one-on-one work. Our sponsorship and affiliate income was 5% of revenue. And we were able to create a really cool product mix that allowed our group program to be not only the highest percent of revenue, but also the highest percent of our margin or profit. Now, I only share all of this because one, I know you're nosy and curious and you want to know the behind the scenes of what it looks like to run a hybrid based business that's having these various offers that are anywhere from one on one to one to many and everything in between. And I get it. You want to know how it works. And I think it would be really easy to assume based on everything that I just shared that the obvious answer would be to lean into the group program. And I would would agree with you only in a certain set of circumstances. In previous episodes, I've talked about that there are different things that are required based on the type of offer that you're selling. Now, the more one-to-many that you're selling, the more amount of traffic that is required for that thing to work. You need more discoverability. And the interesting thing about our group program is how successful it was at reaching our target demographic. And it was working so much so that in the first year, we went from converting 15% of leads to 60% of leads. And part of that was because of the method of sales and how we adjusted what that looked like but also because we were way more specific on who was a qualified lead. And we were really making sure we were talking to just the people that would not only benefit the most from the program, but we knew we could convert because it was logical. There was a clear ROI. They could absolutely see it being a benefit to them and they could reasonably afford it. But in those same 18 months, our leads on a month-to-month basis were going down. It would be really easy to assume, okay, well, then you just need more leads. Okay, yes, you do need more leads, but you can only get more leads if you have enough traffic that contains qualified people, people who are qualified for that service. And depending on how specific it is of who it is for or what makes them qualified, then you often have to overshoot the amount of traffic required because you're going to get a lot of traffic that is also unqualified traffic. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. 
I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Now, there's a ton of strategies to get more qualified traffic. Ads is just one approach. You can also do more things to increase your discoverability by focusing on channels that have more discoverability. If you haven't listened to the previous episode about my thoughts on where the future of marketing is going, I definitely recommend listening to that because I talk about the difference between visibility and nurture. And you could absolutely lead lean into a visibility channel. You can also target the traffic by using things like paid advertising. You can also do cold outreach via DM, email, or you can do things that include having your clients or people in your network bring you referrals. But what it comes down to is to get more qualified traffic, you either have to attract it or you have to create it. 
which are two very different things. And I'm going to probably do a whole episode on traffic in an upcoming episode of the podcast, just because I think this is a topic that's not talked about enough, especially in this industry. Now, what do I mean by create it? I mean, literally take the traffic you already have and do the things necessary to create the qualifications. So in my instance, it would be how do I take someone who's earlier on in their business journey and get them to the point that they would be qualified for something like my group program. But ultimately, if we're talking about filling a gap, the options for me were to either lean more heavily into our services, lean more heavily into sponsorship and affiliate or reduce the likelihood of selling off the product that doesn't currently include me by pivoting that specific offer. I really wanted to create an ecosystem where I could help people at every stage of business, from starting out to their first million. And I know that's a huge range. Because it is. <laughs> but there are so many different problems that people face at these various points along that journey. And I had been so focused on the later stage problems that I wasn't focused on helping people at those earlier stages, which meant that I wasn't necessarily creating more qualified traffic. The traffic I had into the product, the group program, were people that either came into my network as already qualified or had been around long enough that they had taken advantage of all the other things we had done for many years in a row and built a business to the point that they were then qualified for the incubator and would be super successful in it. Now, technically, I had a fourth option to fill the gap, which would have been not to edit the product or change the co-op, but instead infuse capital into the business to scale the membership. And I could do that. I reasonably definitely thought about it because... If you're moving through your options, it's important to reflect on all of them and what makes sense for you and why. But the more I thought about my mission and why I started this business and what I wanted it to turn into, I knew it wasn't about me. If this were simply about making more money, then it makes the most sense to attract or bring in the qualified traffic for the offer that already has the highest margin, i.e. the group program. But I didn't necessarily love all the strategies that that would require. Not that I'm against them. I think there is absolutely a time and a place for cold outreach, but I've seen a lot of things that I just don't agree with. And I didn't necessarily love this like sense of either selling people into an offer that they're not a fit for or really kind of harassing people that didn't even ask to be a part of your world. Now, do I think there's a way to do cold outreach in a way that's really authentic and 
kind and considerate and compassionate and in alignment and all of those things. Absolutely. Just wasn't necessarily the direction I wanted to go, at least for now. Is it something I'm going to consider in the future? Sure. Like I am become more aware of those options on a very regular basis. And I am also cold pitched options for how to go about doing that. But it's just not something I love. So with the mission of helping more small business owners become financially free, I really wanted to think about how I can help people at every stage. And I can only help them at those later stages if I help them get past those initial hurdles. And that meant that I really wanted to reimagine how I could help and what it would look like. And what that ecosystem is. Not changing the co-op absolutely makes it a more sellable business because it doesn't include me. It doesn't include Boss Project as the like pendulum to make it work. It needed capital and there was a cash flow there. And so you could absolutely sell that as is. But if the focus was on impact, not on cash flow, then I instead wanted the co-op to be my way to deliver the highest impact at the most reasonable and approachable price point that I could afford. Now, for sure, the easiest option would have been to lean into one-to-one services. And for most of my clients, that's probably what I would have suggested. But I am at the stage of my business where I can take on more risk and I can focus more on impact and less on what it means for my personal finances. And it wasn't because I wasn't getting my clients' results. My one-on-one results are freaking bomb. We work with some of the most incredible service-based businesses and build them websites that absolutely work. Like Tiffany, for example, she offers accounting services specifically for photographers only. And we have gone balls to the wall, so to speak, and helping her rank for the exact search terms that she wants to rank for and that are going to be the most effective for her business. And she is absolutely getting organic, cold traffic direct to discovery because of our focus on SEO. I'm also not afraid to approach business differently for the client's that need that. And I had a client that was in the proposal industry. She was a photographer herself. And I could have talked to her about creating these high-end luxury proposal packages. And we definitely debated about that as an option for her. But she was already in the volume business. She was already serving hundreds of clients a year. And so instead of moving away from that, we further enhanced what was already working 
And we built a service-based business as an e-commerce-based website. And less than 30 days from launching her website, she's already done over 25000 in organic sales direct to her services without a discovery call, without a sales call, without pitching, literally at all, which is freaking crazy. So no, it has nothing to do with my ability to get clients results. But the problem with that approach is that I can only help one business at a time. And the price that I have to reasonably price my services because of the amount of time I put into it, but also my team puts into it, it requires businesses be fairly into the game. Like these are very established businesses that are already incredibly successful. So instead, I sat down to figure out absolutely everything that someone would need to know to go from zero or anywhere on the spectrum between zero and $10,000 a month. And how do I get them there? What do they need to know? Not just what do they need to know, but what do they think they need to know? And what are the sprinkles on top? What are the sexy things that will get them to pay attention? And that's what really goes in any sort of no-brainer offer, regardless of how you're selling it. Because the model is the how you're selling it. You can offer it as a service. You can offer it as a group program. You can offer it as a course, a template shop, whatever. The how you sell it is only one component. But to make something truly irresistible, it needs to solve not only their whole problem, It needs to give them not everything they just need to know, but everything they think they need to know and all the sexy, shiny things that are going to get them to pay attention in the first place. Now, I tested this in a very small container and I made the offer so much of a no brainer at such an irresistible price point that my conversions are 32 times the industry norm for a one-to-many model. And I know a large portion of that is because I've reinfused Boss Project and myself into the thing that I'm selling. And it's absolutely converting higher than presenting it as that e-commerce or even SaaS product. So I know that creating something irresistible works. I just don't always love that it takes more of me. Now, in the last three years, we had already done a lot to increase the overall lifetime value. It's already gone up significantly prior to this point. And we'd already done things to reduce churn by a significant portion. But the things we did in even just the last 30 days have seen a dramatic effect on both of those numbers. So without a doubt, I also imagine that if we were to send paid traffic to that offer, that our acquisition costs would also go down and overall create an environment that is way more scalable than the version we had before. But more scalable to you does not necessarily equal more sellable to someone else. 
And I am fully aware of that. And it was a pretty big decision to change what was included. And part of why I had been so resistant for so long, because this was definitely not the first time we had discussed what it would look like to add additional things behind the scenes. And while all of those things are true, I also just got so much clarity that I do not need my business to be sellable to retire early. And part of that was a better understanding of what it would take to retire, period. (laughs) And then what it would take to continue to reduce the amount of years I have to work to get to the point that I could completely sustain myself off of my investments and the things that were continuing to grow even after I'm drawing them down. And honestly, it took me to feel comfortable in this six months prior to making this decision. I had had my financial advisor run scenarios of what it would look like if I sold my business versus working for a set number of years. And I could sell it for sure. But the working and creating the consistent income, like unless I could get to the point that the sellable aspect of the business was worth significantly more than it was today, then maybe it would outweigh the simply just working and running the business. But it wasn't as much of a jump as I had expected. Does it help? Sure, absolutely. Anytime you can sell an asset like a business, it's absolutely going to fuel your long-term future. But it wasn't as big as I had made it out to be in my head. So I also just want anyone who's focused more on lifestyle to be considering that like it is okay for you to imagine a career path in which you run your business until you don't want to anymore and then you set it down. You know, will I continue to think about how I can still keep it going even if I'm not running it? Yeah. Not because I want to sell it, but because I care about what it's doing, because I care about how it's impacting people. And so I think if that's the focus, how I go about doing all these things can change. And I just felt a lot of pressure in the last handful of years to make some decisions now So that in five to 10 years, I could sell the business. And I undid a lot of those decisions. I undid a lot of that work. And could I, you know, re-put the things in place to make that sellable later? Sure. I don't know if I'm going to, though. And I am totally okay with that. Like I said, I'm not sure if I'm totally okay with just imagining a future in which 10 years from now, I pretend like this never happened and I close the doors and let my team go. Like that feels wild to me. So I definitely want to still think about what a succession plan looks like. But at this point, it does not have to require the sale of the business. And the interesting thing is I have seen this done. 
like not until very recently though have I seen this done. In the past, I've either seen people close or sell. But I hadn't really witnessed people create succession plans in which they either still retain part of the business but were no longer working in it or they like remove their face without, you know, I don't know how to get into all of the details of this. But anyway, the prime example of the person I have seen do this in our industry and do it very effectively, I might add. Now, I don't know much about the behind the scenes nature of this. And I know in terms of scale, this business is significantly larger than the one that I run. But to do so in this industry is a feat. Because so many educators, specifically, people are buying because of them. And so the closest they get to like leaving, quote unquote, is moving from a business that they daily operate to creating things that they can do, not passively, but with a different approach. Like, writing a bunch of books. And then those books bring in reoccurring revenue, but they're not necessarily selling someone into something after the fact. Maybe they go on a speaking circuit, whatever. Those were the kind of ways I saw people, quote unquote, like dial it back. But Michael Hyatt, from what I can tell from the outside looking in, he is not in daily operations and he's effectively retired and removed his name from the business, they're still selling his books, they're still using his business practices, they're still using his image a little bit, but I'm pretty sure he's living his best life. Now, what does this mean for you, though? Like, I get that some of you may want to rethink, are you really trying to build a sellable business? Are you okay with letting it go at some point? Like, I definitely think there's some things to consider there. I also just know that I'm at the point in my life where I can take bigger risks. And so I'm not asking you guys or even suggesting that you jump so radically from one thing to the next. Because there are a lot of things about the way I'm doing business right now that required me to start over in a bunch of categories that is a lot of upfront work. So Definitely not what I'm saying either. So instead, rather than such radical jumps, I want you to really reflect on you solving the real burning problems for your client. And if our focus can instead turn to really creating true solutions, true game-changing solutions for our client, when our success rate goes up, all of the other parts of our business work better. They do. And so I'm not suggesting that you need to change everything about your offer. I don't think that makes sense for a lot of you. But are there small tweaks that you can make to your existing offer so that you can better solve the whole problem that your client is facing? And if you start to look at that and you're like, like, I don't know if that's something we can reasonably do or even guarantee. Okay, no problem. If you can't solve the whole problem 
that they are currently presenting with? Can you solve a more focused aspect of that problem? And what this will mean is less overpromising. <laughs> as simple as this sounds, it may be as simple as a messaging tweak to get more clear on the exact problem you're solving rather than you creating something that's so general that there's less connection to it. Now, I heard a really interesting story listening to another podcast this morning, and they were talking about a PR company that was having no problem selling, but their churn or attrition rate was atrocious. <laughs> and they were having trouble retaining retainer clients. And if you're in a service-based business and you're having trouble retaining clients, it's because you're not delivering what you said you were going to or the client experience is off. If you're churning out people in a subscription model, it's either because you're no longer solving their problem, like they use the thing, they got the result they needed and they don't need it anymore, or you're not doing things to keep them there, which is attrition of a one-to-many subscription is definitely radically different than attrition or churn of a service. And so if your service, you're having people leave all the time, you need to be addressing what sort of problem you're really solving. And the interesting thing is they looked at this business and all of the clients that they had, and they noticed a trend that there was this subset of clients that were paying significantly more and they were staying significantly longer. But it was only like 15% of the business. The other 85% were coming in at a lower rate and then churning out right away. And so they like focused on what would it look like to ditch the 85%. And in this case, they weren't just focusing on solving a more specific problem. They were solving a more specific problem for a more specific person. And so that's like double niching down in some ways. But the business exploded after that because they were actually delivering. Client success can make such a huge difference. And when you're confident that you can get results and you can speak to that, it is the kind of sales tool that you cannot manufacture. Like when you are confident and you exude that confidence when you're describing or talking about what it is that you offer, people pay attention. And there was a lot of different points in my career and specifically in running this business that I was losing that sense of confidence. And sometimes it was a mindset hurdle I needed to get over, for sure. And other times, it was because I was biting off bigger problems than I could chew. And not that I was over-promising, but I was definitely creating an environment where I wasn't necessarily giving everyone a happy, focused result. That being said, I've done a lot of cleaning house, so to speak. And at this point in my business, I am so incredibly proud of everything that I put out into the world. 
And I'm so sure that what I am doing will create results if people are willing to do the work. Because even in a one-on-one environment, even on the service side of my business, I can do 99% of the lifting, but if I can't get the client to effectively communicate certain things to me, then I still can't give them the ultimate delivery that they're looking for. And so it is a two-way street. And I'm super excited about what it looks like in the future. And I know this is a big change because, I mean, if you're paying attention, what this means is that over a three-year period, we went from focused primarily on the membership to, for 18 months, focused primarily on the group program to going back to the membership, but changing the offer by a very significant portion, which means that we're not only in product improvement mode, but we're also in development mode. So there's a lot of things about that offer that are still being created. And I love that. Like being in development is so much fun, but it's also like a shiz ton of work. So I don't know. Is it the best decision? While I have no way of knowing for sure I do believe with all of the data, with all of the background knowledge and experience and the history and the nuances and all of the things, that it was the right decision for me, that it was the right decision for this business, and it was the right decision for my mission. And if that means that over time, I personally earn less or I personally see less profit, I don't care. As long as I can get people closer to the kind of business that rewards them in the way that they deserve, that allows them to live the life that they want, that allows them to prioritize the things that are important to them, that allows them to step away when life gets hard or complicated without the fear of their entire business falling apart. I want to see more small business owners financially free. And I can only do that if I'm willing to do the work necessary. And I could do it one client at a time and that would be enough. And my dreams and desires are bigger than that. And I want to see more people successful. And so This was a big jump, but it's one I feel really confident in and one that I'm very excited about. Now, all of that to say, I want you to be a part of this. Regardless of where you're at in business, I have designed the co-op to provide the tools and the strategies necessary for you to grow and scale in a way that's in alignment with the life that you want. Whether you're just launching and leaving a corporate job or you have consistently sold your services or you're at the point that you're ready to bring on additional support or anywhere in between, I know that what we're providing in that environment is different than everything else on the market. 
And I can say that with extreme confidence. So how do you hear more about it? Like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, if you want to see all of the messaging tweaks and all of the things that I put into that training that was really the public pivot, then I would encourage you to go to bossproject.com slash untitled. And if you're ready to join the co-op and be a part of this thing, I would love to see you inside. And I'm so excited about all of the things that we have just announced, like the brand new community is out. And I'm so stoked about seeing what that looks like and cannot wait to meet more of you inside of there. And so if you are ready to join, you can go to creativetemplateshop.com slash join. And there's a link right away for you to just hop on and be a part of this thing. But if you want more details, like a lot more details, then if you go to that same link, bossproject.com slash untitled, after a short opt-in form, you will see tons of more details about what the co-op looks like. And so if you have not yet opted in there, I definitely encourage you to do so so you can see more about what the co-op is all about and if it makes sense for you. Now, until next time. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.